Hi, I'm Julie Bindle and this episode is going to focus on the Women's Holiday Centre. It's set in a small Yorkshire village and was set up in 1980 as a charitable venture and the money was donated by a feminist who lived in Leeds who I knew very well who had been left some money from her father and wanted to do something for the women's liberation movement and it's still going today. It's so important to have women-only space, female-only space, where women can recuperate after escaping domestic violence, be with other women because they're fed up with sexual harassment, get away with their kids without the omnipresence of men and just the hassle of life. And Horton, which is what we call it because it's in a village on the Pennine Way called Horton in Ribblesdale, is a beautiful place. I haven't been for decades now. I used to go in the early 1980s and it was a cheap and fun way to get a holiday to mix with other women. And then, of course, the Greek island bug bit me somewhere along the line. But I find my heart pulling me back to Horton. I want to go and visit again. And I spoke to two of the women on the collective who helped run the place, Jenny and Deb. Hope you enjoy your little trip to Horton. My name's Jenny. I am part of a women's co-op that run uh, the Women's Holiday Centre, which is in a beautiful place in North Yorkshire. Tell us about North Yorkshire, and then we can go back to looking at the origins of Horton, which I know a bit about, because I know the woman who donated it through Inherited Wealth. Yes, So this is a great circular kind of conversation. So, Horton, what is it? Give our listeners an image of the immediate surroundings and then the house. Okay, so the, the full name of the village is Horton in Ribblesdale. So it's in the North York's National Park and it is uh, in the middle of the Three Peaks area, which some people might have heard of. Um, it's at the foot of a mountain, a small mountain, a British mountain, called Penny Do you Gent. mean a hill? No, it is officially a mountain, I believe. Somebody may challenge me on that. I've I think never it's... quite worked out the difference between a hill and a mountain. I think there's a height thing. Well, there might be a height <laughs> thing, but I've seen some pretty big hills and some pretty small mountains. Yes. Let's not digress. That's no, my fault. that we could go down that rabbit hole, couldn't we? But uh, it's called Pennygent, the one that the house is at the foot of. So it's a very small village, uh, two pubs, um, uh, some houses, a train station, which is important. So you don't need a car to get there. And it's the main thing about it is it's very, very beautiful. And lots of people... streams and lots of green yeah, and that kind of thing. Yeah, sheep, river, um, hills. This is there. Nice walks. Just, yeah, beautiful, beautiful walks. Lots of different, like, challenge, quite challenging walks or low-level, less challenging walks. And has it got, like, a microclimate, so does it change a lot? And is it sometimes different from city weather? It smells different to the city. It's a clean country air. It's fresh. It's usually a little bit colder. Quite often rains, but not always. And the very first time I went there, there was 
about five foot of snow and we couldn't find any of the footpaths because they were all covered in snow. How did you get to run? Well, you co-run Horton, the Holiday Home, don't you? Um, well, the, the, ha- the, the Holiday House is owned by a, a women's co-op. Um, it's a cooperative for the benefit of society, is, is the term. And so there are about 28 of us, I think, on the co-op. Who, so we legally own, own the centre, um, not individually, but collectively. And then there's a voluntary management committee um, who run, run the house and who employ the workers. Uh, so there's workers who live usually on site to do all the admin stuff, take the bookings and all that kind of thing, and look after the women uh, or welcome the women and explain how the house works when women come to visit, women and kids come to visit. So, give give yeah. me a tour of the house from okay. when we arrive at the front door. Okay, so the house is a, it's a beautiful old house. It used, it's, it's called the Old Vicarage and it was the vicarage. So um, it's got a driveway, a circular driveway. Sounds grand, but it, and it kind of is grand, but it's kind of very welcoming and comfortable as well. So you come in the gate that says Women's Holiday Centre on it. Uh, and then you go in the front door and there's a porch that is full of coats and wellies and boots and drawers with scarves and hats and gloves in that everyone is free to borrow of sizes to fit all and women umbrellas. and children. Umbrellas, yes. You remember the umbrellas, Julie, do you? <laughs> I do. I don't like okay. getting my hair wet. It's a vanity thing. Okay, no, that's fair enough. We try and su- we try and do it so that women and kids turning up at the house don't actually need to bring anything with them. They can just right. turn up. That is the idea. So all the boots and coats and everything have been donated right. over this. So that's the porch. Then you go into a beautiful hallway with a tiled floor and a quite impressive staircase with plants on it Uh, and then on the left you go through a door into a small little sitting room with an open fire and that leads through to the kitchen which Which is is huge it's a beautiful kind of i suppose farmhouse style kitchen it's not farmhouse but um with a big table uh and that's where women cook and the food is there ready there are all the basics um, for cooking you don't need to bring any food and uh, but you do need to cook your own food or get another guest to cook food mm-hmm. for you if you mm-hmm. don't fancy it um, so yeah lots of shared meals in there shared conversations shared bottles of wine shared cups of coffee all the things that women do uh, shared baking and it's there was a window that looks out onto the fields and you can see Penny Ghent through the window. It's beautiful. And then if you go back into the hallway, on your right-hand side, there's another door and that goes into the, the large living room, which has got three sofas round in a square, another open fire, uh, doors out onto the garden. Um, comfortable, bit, bit scruffy, but comfortable, welcoming room. Any animals living there? Uh, there is a cat who is there to deal with some of the smaller, smaller creatures that like to come and visit when you live in the countryside so, area. But so she's she, a working cat. She is a working cat called Rosa, 
Oh. And she, but she's only allowed in the, the kitchen and the small living room. She's not allowed in the main living room. She's not allowed upstairs. Well, you know, before we get up to the bedrooms, mm. handily, I'm allergic to cats. Mm. Because when I was last at Horton, the cats would roam a little bit more free than that. So we had a cat-free room, which was actually a double room, which meant that I was able to say, I can't sleep in the dorm. I've got to have the cat-free room, <laughs> okay. which I would share with, you know, a friend or a girlfriend or whatever. And that caused a bit of resentment. And I said to them, get yourselves an allergy to cats if you've got a problem with it. But anyway, <laughs> take, us, take us up to the bedrooms. A can of worms, Julie, that one. Uh, yeah, no, we still have a room called Animal Free, uh, which is probably the room you're referring to. And Very fond memories of that room. Yes, indeed. I think a lot of women have got fond <laughs> memories of that room, Julie. I could name a few. Um, but still, we won't go there. Yeah, so there is that animal-free room, but actually the cat is not supposed to go upstairs at all. But we're particularly careful about that room. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, oh, I haven't finished downstairs. So downstairs, we've missed the playroom. Hang on a minute. If we're walking back down the stairs, ah. describe the staircase. Okay, so I'm, I said it's quite a grand staircase. It's sort of one of those ones that goes, it goes up one, one level and then there's a beautiful big arched window looking out onto the fields. And again, Penny Ghent, you can see through that window. And then the stairs turn back on themselves and go up another level. Okay, so we're back down bedrooms. because you forgot yeah, about the playroom. I did. Which is a disgrace for those kids, isn't I it? I know, I'm, I'm appalled. <laughs> I think you better edit that bit out. <laughs> but we kind of rushed ahead. So This is my yeah. fault. The playroom, I know, is very important. Mm, and when women is. bring their kids, they, they, I remember seeing their faces where they just beam with delight. Yeah. Oh, there's something for the kids, especially yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. So there's what have you got in room. there? Um, lots of toys. <laughs> lots of toys, dressing up clothes, crafts stuff games um there and there's again doors that open out onto the garden so there's outdoor uh play things as well climbing frame swings mm. that sort of stuff hula hoops um there's a barrel that's very popular that get used gets used for all sorts of fun and games um yeah book kids books uh oh i mean stuff you know duplo mostly for younger kids, I would say, but older kids would find something in there definitely to play with. So take us back upstairs. We've, right. we've heard about the cat-free room or the animal-free room. Yeah. Tell us about the rest of it. So as you go up the stairs before you turn back, there's another little, there's another double room. So there's two double rooms. Um, and then there is what we call platform, which is very exciting. So it's got a huge, huge bunk bed, like a bunk, a big bunk bed that runs across about five or six mattresses worth, which obviously kids love as well. And lots of women love it as well. So you climb up a sort of wooden, not, it's not a ladder, it's better than that. It's more like halfway between a ladder and a staircase to get up to the platform bed. Um, so this is a way of squeezing a few more bed spaces in, but Ooh. it works really well. And then there's two double beds underneath that platform and also a bunk bed in that room. So I think you can fit. If you really want it to be cosy, you could fit about 
10 people in that room. Gosh. <laughs> you'd, have, you'd probably want to know them quite well, but that would be fine. Oh, you would afterwards. Yes, you would know them. You would find out about them. So uh, you, that is one of the rooms. And then there's another room called Singles, which has got four single beds and a double bed in it these days. Um, and that's the room I'm most attached to because it's the first room I ever slept in at Horton in 1984 when I first visited the house. <laughs> we may have been there at the same time, it's sometime, you never possible. know. It's possible, yeah. it's possible, it's um, possible. So that's, yeah, just, just as it says, room with beds in. And bathrooms, have you got showers these days or is it still the yep. cranky old bath? There, the, there is still a bath but we do have showers also and we have there is a kind of uh, there is a it's not a shared bathroom there's a room that is divided into three bathrooms sort of partitioned mm -hmm. into three bathrooms um, so there's three loos there's there's a couple of showers and a bath so there's a big space what's your capacity women and kids Ooh, well, we had to reduce it over COVID. Obviously, I'm just going to refer. Are you back to normal to now? Sorry, we I are. Edit out any pauses. Don't worry about that. Yeah. We're pretty much back to normal. Um, yeah, no, we are back to normal, really. If there is ever a normal at Horton, that's why I'm hesitating because right, yeah. things normal change all the time. Horton. Yeah, normal for Horton. Uh, it's about 22, I think. So you could limit. Get, yeah. So you could have plus for camping, example, so you could fit more. Yes, you could have. Um, 10 adults, 12 kids. So you could have women bringing a brood with them, mm -hmm. uh, a lesbian couple bringing their kids. Yep. You could have, I mean, I know that the women have stayed there who've been very newly out of domestic violence refuges with their kids, and it's yep. a bit of a kind of respite, a moving Definitely. on space. Definitely. So that's a, a lifesaver, isn't it, for women needing somewhere in the, in the middle of... The countryside with fresh air where their kids can play mm. and they can recoup yes yeah yeah so definitely important public service absolutely as well, as well as the holidays that so many of us have enjoyed let's talk holidays so for example you're moving on from the rooms then oh hang on a minute we've got more rooms there's more rooms we haven't done the rooms i haven't done all this the rooms is yet terrible first of all <laughs> i rushed you up the stairs if you'll pardon the uh, um me. yeah <laughs> phraseology and I had to take you back down the stairs for the playroom. Mm -hmm. Now, I've just I've done away with your rooms altogether. Yeah, you've let's missed, go back up. Yeah, you've missed a new new room new room to guests, uh, which is the family room. We've now got a family room, right. which used to be a room for one of the workers, but we've created worker space out in what we call the coach house. So we've been able to uh, create an extra room in the house for guests um, and this is particularly suited to families so it's got um, a double bed a single bed and a cot room for cot space or um, other kids um, so yeah that's an addition so you sometimes ah. have babies there uh, oh yes we we quite often have babies there. Hello. Well, Hello. someone's just joined Hello. our conversation. Hi. Who's this yes. lovely feminist? <laughs> What's your name? I'm Katie. So I worked at the house. Then I was part of the managing committee for a few years. And then because I moved down south, I am now a co-op member. So I still have involvement, which is great. Fantastic. So I've been rushing 
through the rooms here. You know, I'd never go up those stairs as quick as I've actually talked myself <laughs> up the stairs. So, are we done with the rooms, or is there even I'm more? Just is there an attic? Is checking. there a cellar? Oh, there is a cellar. Yes. Uh, mm. No, there's not an attic. Well, there's a roof space, but we don't. It's not. We don't go up there. What goes on in the cellar then? <laughs> Well, <laughs> what's interesting about Horton is that each worker that comes decides, oh, I don't like that, or I do like this, or what we really need is that. So the cellar's full of those anomalies that have been left by other people. Like the and crap the, drawer in your kitchen. Like the crap drawer right. in the kitchen. And then you go down in the cellar, you go, oh, that's quite interesting. I'm going to take that upstairs. And I'm going to put that one down there. But also we've got the fabulous biomass boiler that, down there which is a beautiful beast. And it's a shame that, I mean, actually it was on, when I was working there, wasn't it? That it, the Argo broke. Was it when I was working there? The Argo. Oh, I know. Was there the an Argo saga? It, there was no Argo saga. But it was the heating for the whole of the house, I remember. Yeah. And the Argo. So it was the beast. Oh my God, we used to love cooking with that Argo. And it yeah. was just, it was always a pain in the bloody arse to do precision cooking with it. <laughs> and I'd complain like crazy. And then your counterparts back then would say, that's not what you use an arga for. Do a casserole, do some rice, do some whatever. So I was always told off. I think I learned how to make toast on the arga. It's a fabulous beast, isn't it? Yeah. Like a huge kettle as it's well. It's interesting with the arga. There was an arga saga, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we did, we did make the difficult decision to get rid of it um, at a certain point because it's, it broke and it was, it was difficult to get it fixed and it would have been very expensive. So we were all a bit traumatised by this, but we did get rid of it. And actually, it's made nowhere near as much difference as I thought it would to the atmosphere. Right. In fact... So it's not, it wasn't the Arga that made the atmosphere, it's actually the women. <laughs> That's interesting because it, it, it's, it's such a kind of country kitchen that you mm. couldn't take that away from it, could you? But I'm sad no. to hear about the Arga. Mm. Yes. I'm sad to hear she's gone. Yes, it was sad. Mm. It was sad, but we must embrace change, at least on some level. I I'm hear very, your sister. I'm for the workers, though, I have to say, because in the morning you had to get up and you had to get the Arga going. Feed the beast. But also... <coughs> the clean-up of the kitchen, mm. you literally had to just go through the whole kitchen and get the soot off of all of those um, shelves, uh, which we did regularly. So, I mean, if there's soot on the shelves, then as a kind of like sitting in that space, inhaling that into your lungs, yeah. it's not great. So, you know, it's, it's better now. It's environmental. Uh, actually, what I did was, when I was there, because there's the reason we've got a biomass boiler and the reason we had the Arga is because there's no gas in the whole village. Mm -hmm. So I remember going around all the locals and saying, well, what have you got and what have you got and what do you do? And so one person had an oil, um, an oil whatever, whatever system that is, but they were saying when they had that installed, it was cheap and now it was like buying gold. So it was just, and then somebody else was like, oh, we've got underfloor heating, but you have to have completely sealed rooms, modern insulation. I was like, oh my God, there's newspaper in our windows. <laughs> so yeah, that's not going to work for us. So yeah, it was a brilliant solution actually, because um, actually we got it through a cooperative, didn't we? In Morecambe, is that right? Yes. We funded it, yeah. Yeah. 
we want women. I'm going to come to Horton. I'm going to book a holiday with some friends. I, I've missed it. And I think it's because we started cheap travel overseas to countries in Europe began. It, was, it used to be much more of a kerfuffle and much more expensive to go um, to Spain or Italy or France or whatever on holiday. And then we got, we took a downer on the English weather. And I think what COVID did for me was make me appreciate um, the UK for holidays and think, who cares? I don't sit in the sun anyway. Sunshine is lovely when it comes out, but I don't sunbathe. What do I need that for? And it is gorgeous there. And I'm absolutely pledging to bring a group of friends. If I can find enough friends, I think I've only got two, one and a half left. But I'll find some. I'll, I'll, I'll pay some women to come with me. And, and we'll have a really good holiday. So we want more bookings, don't we? We want Horton to survive. So tell me something about you know different rates, different costs. They can look on the website. They can look at your leaflets, obviously. But it's actually not expensive at all, is it, to book a holiday? And, and can you, just, just one question, can you book the whole house out as well as go in smaller groups with women that you don't even know, kids you don't even know? You, you can, we do allow uh, what we call closed houses, which is where women book for their own group of uh, friends or colleagues or for a birthday party, that kind of thing. Um, we do limit those number of bookings because that does uh, obviously advantage women who've got more resources. Who Basically, richer women can afford to do that, of whereas um, women with, with less resources um, can't. And that the house is very, very much uh, geared towards being affordable for women with uh, little or very little money. Um, so the charges that we make are based on a sliding scale according to income. So the highest rate um, for employed women with a, a reasonable income is, is £30 a night. Which is cheap. It is cheap, um, very cheap because it includes everything, yeah. including your food. Except your food. for your wine. Yes, not your wine or your chocolate. Because you'd go bust within five minutes with some of the women that... This yeah. is true, Julie, you're quite right there. I'm thinking Although, of myself here, obviously, yeah. but... Although not everyone wants wine, but no, no, of course. a few of us do. Of course. Uh, and then it goes down to the, the... On a scale, down to the cheapest rate, which is uh, £10 a night. Gosh, that's incredible. Um, yeah. So the idea is that the richer women who have got the resources are are enabling uh, women with less money to still come and you yeah. come to the house and that's really really important that's uh, fundamental to the ethos of the house and how it was set up in the first place camping outside so mm. if you did uh, come you know you can camp outside in the garden where there's a fire pit and lovely garden and a view of penny again i mean it's just beautiful isn't it it's stunning you run you're running on feminist principles on socialist principles you're, you're helping build, rebuild the community that we've seen, not destroyed, but really under threat. We've got very few women-only spaces, we've got very few spaces for lesbians where we don't feel intimidated or gaslighted or whatever. And I think Horton is such a valuable resource at a time when we're all looking at what we have lost and what's been at risk. And there should be more... Bortons. There should be more of what you're doing. So do you connect with women running this kind of um, 
holiday home, um, collective house in other countries and other parts of, of, of the UK. Are there any that you know of? We don't, I don't think there are any left in the UK at no. all. Um, there, were, there were a few and the idea was when Horton was originally set up that there would be a whole network. That was the idea, mm. but actually that never happened. Um, the key thing that's enabled us to continue is that we we own the property. Uh, we bought it, yeah. um, so no one could take it away from us. Yes, yeah. and that's been. Uh, I know that's a theme that's come up again. Is that women? We need to to try and own um, our resources in order to be able to protect that's them right. yeah. and to keep them in perpetuity. Otherwise, someone may try and take them away. Someone will take yeah. them away. And, yes. you know, I was, when I was a very young feminist in Leeds, I heard the story about Horton. A lesbian feminist friend of mine who lived across the park from me, Al Garthwaite, gave the money to buy Horton from inherited wealth from her father. And it was the absolute feminist principled thing to do. And we've got a lot to thank her for for doing that. We absolutely have, I mean, yes. We, we should yeah. encourage yeah. others with disposable income instead of leaving their money to kids that are already solvent to yeah. to, 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 to many projects. children. To many children. Yeah, exactly. That's my uh, my legacy is the same. I've said to my sister who's got four children, I've said your children are well sorted right. with her father. And in fact, actually, I wrote in a sub, I wrote mistakenly because I'm dyslexic. And un, what did I say? Something like an unreserved amount you can have or something. But it wasn't. Yeah, I named it. I, I put it wrong. But anyway, the point is, is that yeah, I've said to my sister, it's for many, many, yes. many children, not just for. Exactly, yeah. and, and that's what we should all be doing. And I think there's a resurgence mm. of this kind of feminist community building that Horton should be a very big key part of. We should be driving women back to those sorts of community events, homes, holidays, mm. gatherings, and really push for that to happen. Well, I think there's been a lot of... A lot of the women's centres that were supported by local authorities and things like that have, have, have all gone. They've all gone. Mm. So, and Horton has survived. And so it's clear that this is a model that mm. is more robust, more resilient, more long-lasting. And we, as women, we need to um, get, get hold of places that other people can't take away from us. Well, I have one final question for you women. It's not going to be a deal breaker for me. <laughs> but if I wanted to cook a nice bacon sandwich in the kitchen at Horton, would I be able to? If it's vegan. <laughs> I can bring those bacon strips, can't I, from vegan bacon vegan shop. Allowed. That'll do. Yeah, yeah no apart. meat. Do you know what? We can do without meat for a holiday, can't we? Well, that's right, yeah. I mean, there is, you know, there's a lovely walk just outside. And that cafe? Beautiful pubs and the cafe... Yeah, it's all there. A few years ago, I went to do some research, journalistic research in South Korea, in Seoul. And the food there is amazing. And I was there for about five days before I realised that I had not eaten any dairy, meat or fish amazing. the entire time. Same when I was in the Middle East, same when I was in South India. We really can do without eating meat when we're on holiday. So, thank you for talking to me. And is there anything else you'd like to say, just to round up? 
Yeah, I think, I don't know if you've said it, but when we were just talking about um, people coming and the house and what it means and everything, I think one of the strengths as well is that we do do skills weekends, so you can come and upskill women, you know, like, I just had a most pleasurable evening sitting and looking through the old photograph albums of Horton and seeing some classic photographs of Morris Miners being repaired on the driveway, shoemaking um, courses that were done over weekends. I've run a BSL... British Sign Language course yeah. there. So um, I invited um, a couple of deaf friends uh, because you must almost always learn from a deaf person. Uh, so I was there in Tupster for the weekend and uh, yeah, women came, they saw that there was that weekend and we did voices off for the whole weekend and that was it. We taught some very basic signs, first of all, and then we said, right, voice is off now. And the conversations that, that went on around that kitchen table <laughs> were just brilliant. So uh, by the end of the weekend, it wasn't like a BSL class that you go to and you learn my name. I, this is a sign for a fireman, a police officer. Yeah, people learn how to communicate and were full sentence signing by the end of the weekend. So there's all those kind of weekends and so look out on the website because they're all uh, there. People do herbal things, all, all sorts of, whatever anybody's Writing, got a skill to do. Yeah. If you can come and you've got something to pass on, you'll get a free stay at Horton for the weekend and you just get women coming and you can share your skills and it's just brilliant. I mean, it's just, the space is just phenomenal. It, it is. All sorts. I, I'm desperate to come back and I'll pledge here and now publicly that I will come and pay for my stay but if anyone wants to come and do some media training from Amazing. any organisations where they might need to deal with the press oh in whatever capacity Brilliant. I will do that on a weekend course so long as you teach me how to fix a car engine okay we'll find a woman <laughs> we will find a woman that can do that that's, that's the, the magic of Horton now I don't know about you but a trip to Horton in the middle of the beautiful countryside, where you can sit around the huge wooden table in the massive kitchen looking out to the gardens, cooking and chatting and eating with lots of women, actually really appeals to me. And I think partly because we have had so many of our rights under threat lately. And we're constantly told by men, by trans activists, by your regular misogynist, that we are not deserving of that space. And I want to claw it back. If you want to book Horton in Ribblesdale and go on a holiday, be with other women, you can even block book it. Just have a look at the link on this podcast and keep it going. We really need our own space. Until next time.